Boy, do I love Mo Leverett. He just ushers me into the throne room, you know? There are realms of worship into which we cannot enter without music. Music has a, a, a we're wired to have a part of our hearts and much of our souls um, be transported by music and, and the depth of his lyric uh, and the sweetness of his voice. I, I just love it. Hey, um, let me take my usual family time here before we, uh, um, before we launch into the sermon. You know, um, 2015, here we go. Ready or not, here we go. And I want to start out by saying this. I want to say this to you. Maybe I'm the first one to say this to you. I probably am. God wants 2015 to be the greatest year of your life. And I want you to start counting on that right now. I want you to start building toward that right now. Opening the, the greatest season of your life. And I'll talk to you more about that in a little bit. But first we've got to kind of close out 2014. And I know there are a number of you who are more than willing to do that. Uh, because you really had a traumatic 2014. I mean, you're limping into 2015. And you're ready to believe uh, the words of Paul when he says, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. And so, uh, but most of, most of, of you want to know how we um, came out on the whole uh, financial deal. I don't know why we... we bite our nails every year. But every year for 30 years since I've been here, we're going, is God going to do it? Is God going to do it? Every year for 30 years, and the answer has been yes. And this year is no different. We it finished in the black. You can quit worrying about that. God took care of us. To the tune of, watch this, to the tune of an extra beyond our budget, $439,000. That's you. Now, let me tell you the really good news here. The really good news is not only did we have, we have some very faithful and very generous uh, members of our family uh, that say, you know, I want to know if the church is in trouble and I want to help uh, where I can. And so we so appreciate those folks. But what was remarkable about this year is we had an unprecedented number of year-end givers and first-time givers which means more of you are involved uh, with whatever your gift was, which is such a great um, 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 predictor of not only what God's going to do with this congregation, but with, with what God's going to do you. Because as I've taught you, there's an aspect of your relationship with God that will never come without financial faithfulness. And so what it does for me is it says, oh, good. You know, they're going to have the relationship with God that they can have. So it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Okay, so, uh, so let, me, let me talk a little bit about 2015. This is a pivotal year for our church. And, and I have, I've, I've shocked a couple of people by telling them, I feel like this year is every bit as pivotal to the development of our church as 30 years ago, 1985, when I walked into that old rat-infested roller skating rink over there. It wasn't, it's not rat-infested anymore, but it was then. Uh, with 200 brave souls, um, we could not have asked or even imagined the church that God would give us today. I want to tell you I feel the very same 
about this year of 2015 and about the proportion of what God is going to do with us in the future. We cannot ask or even imagine what he is going to do with this group of however many we are. Um, um, that's what I think is, is it, God has planned for us, what I believe God has planned for us. But let me tell you where that starts. That starts with you now. And when I say you, I don't mean a collective you. This is what I want you to get tonight. I want you to understand that when I preach, I'm not preaching to the church corporate. I'm preaching to the church personal. I want you to know that what you are going to hear is God's message to you personally in a unique way. I don't use the word individual uh, very often because frankly, if you love, you are no longer an individual. You can't define yourself as yourself anymore. You're always a part of someone else's life and they're always a part of your life. And so life is about relationships. But the way God comes to us is very personal because he made you different than anyone else in the world. And the Holy Spirit has a plan for your life that he has for no other life in this world. So no matter where you are, when I tell you that God wants to, to make this year your best year ever, I'm not kidding. And it's on a very personal level. What we're going to do is we're going to see God distribute the church. We're going to see you not just be a part of the church, but be the church wherever you are. Now, we're going to start out simply by, by just saying we're going to over and over again in, as we go on this year. This is, there's not a big roll out here, not a drum roll, because this is not about a church program. This is about a change in our culture. This is about a change in your understanding of who you are. And so, therefore, it just is going to happen incrementally, bit by bit, week by week. If there are, and I know there are early adopters among you, uh, uh, many pioneers, some of you, some of you are going, oh, I'm in. Just tell me, tell me, well, I want to do it right now. Very simple um, 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 step for you. Go to thedistributedchurch.com. We have put everything on that website. And, and if you have questions, you can go to the hub afterwards. But we put everything on that website that you need to understand about where we're going as a church and what your place is in it from where you are right now, from what, from what you're, for what you're ready for or you believe God's calling you to right now. And there's a whole spectrum of readiness. We understand that. But as the Spirit leads, not, we're not all doing this together. As the Spirit leads, then you will understand that you are to form the church wherever you are. Do you know what, by the way, do you know what God calls Two or three disciples, when Jesus said, we're two or three of you together, uh, there I am, and, and, and there I am with them. There I will be, and, 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 and you know what God calls two or three disciples? Church. <laughs> now, we don't understand that because we, we have, we've attached a lot of baggage to that word. You know, what comes to mind when we say church is some corporate institution or some building? That's not what God, not what God thinks of it as a spiritual family, as spiritual relationships. And so church, that's a distributed church, by the way. That's what we're calling a distributed church. 
And so, and so what I'm going to unfold for you as we go along here um, is, and, and, and what we're going to picture every week is, is kind of a new iteration, a new picture of what the distributed church really looks like so that you can understand you are the spiritual leader in your relationships. You are the church. Now, we are going to still have, from time to time, ask a pastor in the worship service. But most times, ask the pastor will be done online. And you can always write um, um, your um, questions. And we want you to write your questions to askapastor at northernchurch.net. Because your, your questions help us clarify the message to what you're actually hearing and to where you actually are. So please, if you have questions about the faith, about what we're doing, about anything, you know, please write your question and I, I will answer them on video or, or a pastor will, or so, some of them will bring in here. But that's how we're gonna do it. But for, for right now, let me, let me get on into the sermon. I led up to this moment in the preaching of Advent to essentially say that God had always been forming the church, but it comes unassembled. The kingdom of God comes into this world unassembled. God came into this world as a baby, undeveloped as a baby. The church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, came into this world to this little no-count group hiding. <laughs> they were too chicken even to go outside, uh, hiding in the upper room, so going, yeah, what do we do from here? That that's how the church developed. The kingdom of God comes unassembled. 2015 comes to you right now unassembled. Unassembled. But I want you to know everything you need for the greatest year of your life is right before you. It has been prepared for you by God. Watch this. And you have been prepared for it by God. And so therefore... I want, as I, I, that's what this message is. I want all of us to understand the first step of assembly and then God superintending what happens in your life because it looks like it's random. It's very much patterned. And I want you to be able to start seeing the patterns. So where do we start? We always start with God. We always start with God here. Whatever the question is, we start with God. And so our, our basic understanding of God is, I am, is us for them there. And let me just start with the I am. Let me just start with the I am. <clears throat> the Bible says that God is the creator of all things. It says in, in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, talking about Christ, the firstborn of, look at the phrase, all creation. Now he doesn't say firstborn of all believers. He doesn't say firstborn of all people. He doesn't say firstborn of all living things. He says firstborn of all creation. Every circumstance in our life, God has seen to firsthand, watch, he doesn't always cause it, but he's involved in it. In John chapter 1, verse 3, this is what it says about the Word, who is Christ. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Could I just say this? When most people read that verse, they think about the original creation. 
And it's certainly true of the original creation. But do you think that God stopped at the original creation to create? Do you not know that everything happened in 2014 that happened in 2014 or 2013 or 2012? God was, God was part of the creation of that. And he is still creating our lives even out of the damaged parts. What does Jesus say? Behold, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I make all things new. All things. And so we come to the beginning of the year, and this is what God is saying to us. I'm still creating. I'm still creating your life. I'm still creating this world. And I want to start again with you. And I want you to start again with me. Let me tell you a story. <clears throat> when I was first starting out in ministry, I had gotten out of seminary. And the bishop sent me to this little church in southern Indiana. Now, I, I, when I was in the Methodist church, bishop was always sending me, sending me to trouble spots or explosive spots. And so, and so he sent me to probably the only integrated church in southern Indiana. Uh, probably one of the few integrated churches, remember this is early 70s, probably one of the few integrated churches in, in north of the Mason-Dixon line or the U.S. for that matter. And, and, and you can imagine in this rural community, boy, we made the KKK matter than hops because we were a merger of churches that usually people usually don't speak to each other. There was a merger of an old farming congregation there was a merger of an old retired railroaders congregation, most of them mechanics, and a merger of African-American, back then it was black, a merger of a black congregation. And we had a ball together. It was awesome. And I remember many wonderful visits. And I remember, you know, I was, I was like 23 years old and, and the average age of the congregation was like 106. You know, it's like, you know, so it's, I, they pinched my cheek a lot. You're so cute. But they called me reverend and they respected the office, you know, because back then you respect the office. And I remember going to the hospital and, and, and back in that day, people stayed in the hospital a lot longer. Um, there's a little side lesson here I want to teach you. Back in that day, if you went in for an appendectomy or, you know, a um, gallbladder surgery, you were, in the, you were in the hospital for a week to 10 days. I mean, no questions asked. That was it. And you didn't get out of bed for at least three days after surgery because you had to rest. Man, it's different now. I mean, you can have open heart surgery. They come in the next day going, get on your feet, you know? Why? Because they know that as soon as you can, you must walk. Otherwise, complications can set in in too long a recovery. You know, Becky said something to me the other day when we were walking. She said, I think that principle also is operative and valid for people who have gone through not just physical trauma, but emotional trauma. I think that we always believe that if people just kind of rest, just took a break and just kind of just, you know, took their time to get their lives back together, that, that would, they would be better off. I believe that God wants us to get back on our feet as soon as we can, as soon as we possibly can. Now, if you can't, you can't. But I got to tell you, you're stronger than you feel. 
Remember the words of our Lord <laughs> to the paralytics, to the ones who walk. Take up your bed and walk. And I would say to those of you who are coming in nursing wounds, as soon as you can, walk. Don't live in that hurt. Don't live in that trauma. Don't nurse that so that it becomes the center of your life. Leave it behind. Walk. God's got something better for you. You're stronger than you think. Walk. He'll help. Let me get back to this story. So I came into the room and, and, and just he had gone through an operation. And Arthur Nordhorn was his name. Good old Scandinavian, you know, independent um, retired uh, mechanic. And, and, and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm going to say something terribly sexist here. Uh, sorry. Uh, but it, it's, it's, I think it's pretty true. Men are different when it comes to conversation than women are. Generally speaking, women feel like conversation is about talking. <laughs> Men, you know, just talk when they got something to say. Um, and, 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 and it's okay if, if nobody says anything for a long time. And so, and so I walk into this, this, this um, you know, uh, room, and I, and I said, Norty, I said, how you doing? He said, I'll live. And nobody said anything for a while. And it was okay, because we were men. So you, we didn't, if we didn't have anything to say, we just didn't say it. By the way, back then, <clears throat> visiting was not about having the right answer. It was just about being there. Just about being there for a while. So it didn't matter, you know, if I gave him any snappy spiritual stuff, I was there. Well, you know, then after a while I said, how's your wife? Tolerable. <laughs> and then we just kind of didn't talk for a while. Finally, Norty said, Reverend, now, now no, he's in his mid-80s, I'm 23 years old, but it's, it's still Reverend, you know? And, and it felt good. Reverend, he said, do they still put prizes in boxes when you buy stuff? And I said, well, Norty, they do, you know, in cereal boxes and Cracker Jack boxes, you know, they always put a little prize in there. They do back then. And, and uh, <clears throat> he said, you know, when I was a boy, now we're talking turn of the century here, late 1800s, early 1900s. said, when I was a boy, our mothers used to buy these huge boxes of detergent detergent soap and they would put prizes in those mostly puzzles then he's quiet for a while and they said reverend he said are you any good at putting together puzzles i said norty i'm not i don't have a mechanical bone in my body to testify to that by the way last night i took my grandson to steak and shake couldn't get the little toy together. So I haven't improved at all. Anyhow, he said, well, when I was a boy, he said that I was gifted. There wasn't a puzzle I couldn't put together. People said, Arthur, you have a gift. And I was kind of proud of it. I've always been, I've, if there's any pieces anywhere, I can put them together. If anything's broken, I can fix it. But they sent this one puzzle Lots of pieces. And of course I didn't read the directions because men, you know, men don't look for directions. You know, it's like, it's like I can get there, you know. 
So he said, I tried to put this puzzle together. I could not get this puzzle together. I could not get this puzzle together. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I can put anything together. Well, finally I decided, they sent me a defective puzzle. They sent me a puzzle that was broke. So I sat down and just wrote them. I said, you sent me a puzzle that's broke. They sent me another set of directions. And they said, it's not broken. In order to put this puzzle together, you have to put these two pieces together first. If you don't get those two pieces together first, it'll never come together. If you put those two pieces together first, it'll come together. Sure enough, forever, came together. Then he's quiet for a while. Then he said, Reverend, he says, it's kind of like life, isn't it? I said, I'm not exactly following you, Nordy. He looked at me kind of disappointed. What with me being a spiritual man and all. He said, Reverend, it's you and Jesus. If you don't get together with Jesus, nothing else in life is ever going to come quite right. If you and Jesus get together, then eventually it'll all come together. I have never forgotten that. Never in 40-some years of ministry have I forgotten that. Can I just tell you, 2015 here, there's lots of pieces. There are going to be lots of pieces. The first thing we need to do, not just in priority, but in order, is to get with Jesus. First thing. Or it'll never come together. Never. So this is not just coming to salvation. You're going to have a chance to do that. If you haven't accepted him as Lord and Savior, you have a chance to do that later in the service. This is every day. Because the puzzle comes every day. The challenge comes every day. And many of them are surprises. You know, life is kind of like whack-a-mole. You know, these things just pop up and you just keep, you know, here's another one, here's another, you know. They come to you every day. But the point is, the first thing we need to do out of bed every morning is say, God, I need you today. First thing I want to do is get with you, Jesus, because I know nothing else is going to quite come together till I'm with you. And then as we go on to put our lives together, I want you to see what else scripture says in first in Corinthians. I'm sorry, in, in Colossians chapter one, verse 16, it says this for by him, all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. I mean, let's go to 17. In, in 1 Corinthians 17, it says this, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Do you have some things come apart last year? Chances are we built them instead of God building them. We built them according to our own plan. This is what it says in, in Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, watchman keeps awake in vain. The watchman keeps awake in vain. So this is what we need to understand. 
We need to understand that God has a plan for your life this year, this year. And God has made you ready for that plan. He's given you everything you need to follow him in that plan this year. I want you to see one more scripture, and that's in Hebrews, actually two more, Hebrews and then Ephesians. And I, and I, want, to, I want you to see something here. This is really, really important. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now, I know we all hope our lives are going to be better this year. Some of you are saying it's got to get better. It can't get any more wrecked than it is. It's, it can only go up from here. Watch out when you say that. The point is that all of us have hope that this world will be better. But faith gives us the assurance, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because it's not fate that we depend upon, it's God who has a plan, who's working his plan in our lives actively. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. The worlds were prepared by, the, now what world are they talking about? Yours. Your world. Each one of you has a different world, interconnected with those you love, interconnected with the world in general. But the worlds were prepared by the Word of God. Let me show you something even more specific. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Now remember, this is, this is about salvation. This is, this is, and, and, and we aren't saved in groups. We're saved personally. Because we've made a personal commitment to God. You can't be saved in a group. And so therefore, it, it, it talks about being saved by, by uh, faith through grace. That not of works, lest any man should boast. And then it says this. For we are his workmanship. I want you to, I want you to see this. Pete pointed this out to me. The Greek word here is uh, poimen. And, um, um, and it means... We are his work of art. I'm going, to, I'm going to show you some pictures in just a minute so that you can get a better picture of this. We are his work of art. We are what he is creating so that we can be a pattern in a larger picture of good. But watch what it goes on to say. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Look at these words which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God's already prepared your 2015. He wants you to follow in ways that you have been prepared for those good works that he has planned for your life. Listen, let me say it again, that only you can accomplish. That's why you're still here. Nobody can accomplish these things but you, in your relationships, in your circumstances. And each one of us has a role to play. Now, let me tell you the wonderful thing here. The wonderful thing is that God is superintending our lives as we go into 2015, into the beauty of creation, that he is putting together things that we can't imagine being part of. And not just in 2015, but for the next season. That's why I'm more excited about the church than I've ever been. More excited about your life, more excited about my life than I have ever been. 
because I understand this principle. This principle is, in, is understood in many parts of creation, by the way. It's, it was understood by Adam Smith, the great moral philosopher, the great economist, uh, who wrote The Wealth of Nations. And in, 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 the, in that, he had a principle called the, well, the, the invisible hand. The invisible hand. And this is what the, invisible hand, the, 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 the uh, definition of that was. He said, when we do what we should do, that is right for our own lives, generally, other people are blessed as well. That was, that was a simple thing. When you do what God wants you to do in your life, then other people will benefit as well. And there is a pattern that goes out that others, people you may not even know are blessed because you've done what you should do. See, all of us think that our lives are so individual and so isolated. They're not. Not when God is in it. Not when God is preparing the worlds. There are things called fractals. Have you ever heard this? Most of you have heard this term and you skipped right over it. Because it's in the movie Frozen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the song, you know, Frozen Fractals. What does that mean? Frozen Fractals. A fractal is, uh, let me give you this principle. The world seems random, but it is patterned. It really is random. You can't tell what's coming. But God results in the patterns of what happens when you address that randomness. The world seems personal, but it's connected. It's connected. Fractals are what are uniquely individually created, but they are reproduced, not exactly the same, but they are multiplied in non-linear iterations. Let me show you. Let me show you. Feathers are individual. Individual. But feathers and fractals come out in beautiful patterns. This is a fractal. That's a fractal. Because each one of these feathers is individually created. But in the pattern of creation, the same thing happens spiritually in your life. In the pattern of creation, what God sees in our life is this. Let me show you another one. This is a frozen fractal. Boom. You know about snowflakes, don't you? How they're all unique. But yet, when they are combined in, in, in scenes of winter, even combined by us in snowmen, remember, the, remember the, the dictum of the pillow, snowmen fall from heaven unassembled. When the kingdom of God comes into this world, it's unassembled. When you come into this world, you're unassembled. Your life for 2015 is unassembled. But as you begin to assemble that, God will create a pattern from that. Let me show you another fractal. This really ought to be Northland's flower. Um, actually, Northland's weed. This is a fractal. 
You know, sometimes I think when God looks down upon all of us gathered, this is what he sees. Because we're all together gorgeous. But here comes the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, to spread us into our normal life. And we all become seeds which can multiply who lives inside of us in that setting. That's a fractal. That's our life. Do you understand? You have the power. You are the seed of God. You are the plant of God. Let me show you one more, just because I love this. It's, this is the iteration of what we eat. And I've got to show you this. You know what this is? Broccoli. It's broccoli. Isn't that gorgeous? Each little floret is, is, is multiplied in nonlinear iteration. I want, you to, I want you to see what God does in nature. I want you to see what God does in the kingdom with our lives. That's your life. And when you understand that it's not about what you're going through, it's about what God is building in you and in the world as you're going through it, something wonderful happens to us. Some of you have asked, knowing what my family has been through, what this Christmas was like for us. This was the best Christmas we've had in five years. Maybe the best Christmas ever. And I'll tell you why. It was not just the absence of tragedy. It was the evidence of God's faithfulness for what we have been through. All of the family was gathered together. All of the children, all of the grandchildren, and we were laughing and we were all trusting God for our future because we knew that the grace of God was not just about being sufficient. The grace of God was about being victorious. There's a resilience that does not take away the pain and will never subtract the vacuum. But it turns the loss into gain. It turns the loss into gain. And it's worth everything. And I want every one of you to have that. I want you to, every one of you, to see what God can do when you trust him. How faith really works. And it really does. So let me ask you. Are you really ready for a new start with God? Not just those of you who need a start and will take any kind of start. But those of you who are doing pretty well and know that God has something more for them, even more for them, are you ready for a new start? Because this is the three things I want to challenge us to. I want us to start again with God, starting now, starting now for 2015, in three ways. Start spiritually with God. Every morning when you get up, I want you to say, God, it's you and me today. 
It's you and me. And that's how you face every day. And God will rebuild your life. And you will see him work in ways you never have before. I want you to do it not only spiritually, but relationally. Now, this will take a while, so you need to come back because we're going to teach you how to do this. But you all have broken relationships in your life. And you need to, you need to do something with that brokenness. And you need to be fitted for relationships that will not break. They'll just go deeper. God wants you to have that kind of love and that kind of relationship. And so come back. And number three, financially. I, I know that sounds so odd. And it was odd the way I heard it up until about three months ago. And then God showed me something I just had never seen before. I've been doing this for almost 50 years. And I'd never seen this before. The financial aspects of our life, we think about every day. I'm not sure there's a, there's a topic that we think about more on a regular basis than finances. And so God said to me, you're kidding me? You're not going to relate that to me? And he started to show me that there are certain aspects of a relationship with him we can't have until we're faithful financially. And he wants us to have that. And so we're going to keep teaching about that. But today, I want you to prioritize God. Not just in value, but in order. I want you to start today to give to God what is God's. All right? Now, let me, let me, let me quote this and, and then, I'll, then I'll conclude. I've already preached too long, but you've got to forgive me because you're Christians. And that's just part of the deal. When Stephen was here last week and he was repeating the book of Ephesians, or uh, uh, Philippians, I'm sorry, he said a verse and it just stuck in my heart. And I thought, you know what? I bet not a lot of people understand what he just said. This was it. Philippians 4.17. Remember Paul is writing to the church of Philippi that has, that has contributed to him financially. They were the only churches that were doing this. And he said, I want to thank you for that. And then he said this, not that I seek the gift, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Do you know you have an account? Does everybody understand that? You have an account in heaven. You have an account in heaven. And this is how this works. In every relationship we have, we have to make deposits or we have a terrible relationship. We have to make deposits or what we're doing when we try to get something out of that re relationship is called exploitation or abuse. If we, have not made, if we have not made deposits, we're trying to steal from someone before we've invested in that person. Now, every one of us has an account in heaven. Every one of us, a personal account, nobody else's account. It's just your personal account. And so that in which we invest brings about that which multiplies benefit to us. Multiplies benefit to us. Now, God's not stuck with only what we have invested. That's, that's what grace is about. I'm not talking about a works theology here. We're saved by grace, unmerited favor, okay? God can bless us anytime he wants. But we've got to realize when we're talking about an actual relationship with God, this is how the world works. If we want a relationship where we can count on a reciprocity, 
when we can count on uh, the kind of blessing that God wants to give us, we make investments. And when we use our money in a way that honors God, when we give to God personally, when we give to God and the things of God and the kingdom of God, that goes into our account and the benefits come to us. Most people don't know that because they've never been taught that. And my bad, I didn't teach you. I'm teaching you now, okay? You can teach an old dog new tricks. The same thing is true relationally. So, so we're going we're gonna to do that. Okay, here's, I, I, I've talked too long. Um, everybody stand up. I'm going to pray. Here's what we're, we're going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer that includes the prayer of salvation. If you have not yet received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to do it right now. And I want you to tell somebody, okay? Um, because that's those first two pieces. If you ain't got Jesus, it ain't coming together, all right? And, that, and it's a personal invitation that you make, all right? Second, um, I will, after we get done with this prayer, I, w- I will uh, just make a few, uh, give you a few instructions, and then we're all going to say the Lord's Prayer together, okay? And then we're going to go out and take 2015 by the tail. Okay, let me pray. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We want a new life in 2015, a life we've never had before. We want this to be the best year we have ever lived, regardless of the circumstances, because we have trusted you, we have seen you work, and we have seen the evidence that you are shaping our lives for beauty and effectiveness, no matter what the random um, um, scene looks like that day. We want to enter into the best era we have ever lived. And so we know to do that, we just got to come to you and say, God, start over with us. Engage us again. Help us to engage you every day. And Lord, for those who have never personally invited Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, let them pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know that it's sin that keeps me away from you. I don't want to be kept away from you. I know when you died on the cross, you paid for all of my sins. And you will wash them away, even as they come to me. And so I ask you to come into my heart. I accept the gift that is salvation. But more than that gift, I want you to remake my life into whatever you want, whatever glorifies you. Be my Lord and Savior, not just when I die, but every day I live. I now confidently declare you're my Savior. And I have eternal life from now on. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said that prayer, I want you to tell somebody, especially somebody you love. We have a little 89-year-old lady who was one of my very good friends, and her son, (laughs) sorry, came to me this morning and told me she died this week. And he said, I want to tell you the greatest day of my life. The greatest day of my life 
is when my mother said the prayer of salvation in this church. Because I know where she is. There's not a doubt in my mind where she is right now. And so if you said that prayer, I want you to tell somebody so they never have to worry about that. Now before we go out, remember the hub. They can tell you what's coming with the distributed church. They can get you acquainted with the mission trips that we're taking. Um, and, and remember Mo's out in front of the hub over there. So take worship with you. Um, remember we have, a, we have a prayer team if you're in this room. And if you came in with a burden, don't leave with a burden. The Bible says bear one another's burdens. That's all I know. Let's pray the, the, the Lord's Prayer. I've talked too long, but like I said, it's, it's the best message in the world. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 2015. Go get it. See you next week.